said, what came to mind very strongly was Psalm 133. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. Then it talks about the precious oil going over the, down the beard of Aaron and running over the collar in his robes. You know, I always carry the holy oil with me in my pocket. It's in that tiny little thing. How many people play Scrabble? That's a PYX, P-Y-X. It's a very useful word. But I'm always wanting sometime, and I think I've got Chris in mind, I'm going to bless him properly with a flask of oil over the head, through the beard, and over the collar. I really want to do that sometime. That's on my bucket list, Chris, so watch it. <laughs> right, it talks about kindred living in unity. So when they do, it provides a blessing. So what exactly do they mean by the kindred? Well, if you look it up, it has to do with similar kind or somebody who's related or family. How many people here have got interesting families? Oh, yes. I have a very... Um, I better put it carefully. I've got a sister who lives in Australia who is a devout atheist... She is the world's greatest authority on everything. And we get on extremely well when she's in Australia and I'm in New Zealand. <laughs> it's very easy to get on with somebody at a distance, but that's not what it's talking about. Family is difficult because you can't choose who's going to be in your family. Can you? Really? And having been in ministry for you know, a long number of years, watching how family mess up other family members is a real pain. But this also refers to the church family. That's us. And just take a second to look round. Would you actually choose to be with this lot? <laughs> but they're all here. And to get a blessing, we need to live in unity. Okay, we've got a hope church family. And as with my sister, when I'm close to her, in the proximity, being with other people is very hard work. And I tell you truly, my sister is hard work. But we don't get the choice. We don't get the choice of who we associate with. Well, we do sometimes get the choice of who we talk to or who we don't talk to. But how do you choose who you want to talk to and who you don't want to talk to? It's amazing, actually, how much preconception is here. I can remember talking to Carlos and it was when we were at St. Matt's 
and I'd just been up front doing communion with a collar on, and his comment to me later was, I'd never talk to somebody like that. Actually, we're quite good mates now. I know much about Carlos, but I'm not going to say it, all right. <laughs> so, how should we act towards others? Now, you know all this. You know John 13, 35. I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, and also you should love one another. By this everyone will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. Isn't that great? I have no argument with it. So how do you put it into practice? Mm, yeah. And then the bit from uh, Corinthians. It's often used at weddings. You know that bit? Love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude, does not insist on its own way, is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You got that one sussed? Put your hand up if you can work all that. That's what I thought. I agree. It's hard work. And, of course, Matthew 22, 37 to 39. You know this one as well as anything. Where are we? This is the great commandment. You could quote it, couldn't you, Chris? Yes, you could. He said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So, it's quite simple, really. Love God. Love neighbour. But also... The third one, love yourself. Now, I do quite a bit of counselling at times, and I find that, especially with Christians, they concentrate or try to concentrate on loving God, which is great. They're actually reasonable at loving neighbours when they can't get out of it, but they don't love themselves. In fact, a lot of them can't abide themselves. Which is actually very strange, really. How many here, you can put your hand up, <clears throat> aren't quite so certain they like things about themselves? How many people actually like themselves? Well, great! Anybody here love themselves? No, we wouldn't go that far, would we? <laughs> but, you see, the Bible tells us exactly what to do. 
And this is another difficult one. I like choosing difficult bits. It's from Romans chapter 12, verse 3, just the one verse. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you that you should not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, it's strange that if I confronted you and said, what are you not good at? How many could answer straight away? Yeah, I've got quite a lot of nods there. How many of you could say what you are good at? This is called sober judgment. Anybody? You can all do that, can't you? Can't you? Right, get on your hind feet, go and find somebody and tell them one thing you're good at. Right, you've got one minute. Up you get, go and do it. Somebody you don't know preferably, tell them one thing you're good at. Righto, you should have told them by now. Let's not get carried away. As from the sermon this morning, hands up if you're righteous. Are you righteous? You should be. Christ made you righteous. You're righteous in Christ. And look at yourself with sober judgment. I suppose I should really tell you, I'm actually good at some things as well. When I left my uh, last parish, they acknowledged the fact that I'm a really good stirrer. They gave me a spoon about that size. Now, how many of you have heard of a fellow called Robert Owen? He quoted... He's often quoted or misquoted. He, he, this quote comes from 1828. And I've changed one word in it because the modern meaning of the word would obscure what he's saying. He uses the word queer, but he didn't mean what's meant today. He said, all the world is weird, save you and me. And even you are a little weird. How do you look at other people when they're a bit weird and live in unity in love? Well, actually, it, you need to get to know people. When you stop and have a chat after church, who do you talk to? Usually your own little group. It's easy, isn't it? If you see somebody standing by themselves, do you go over and have a chat? Sometimes, yeah. But looking round, it seems that 
you have the oldies there and the younger ones there and the students there and they don't seem to talk to each other. Actually, finding out and talking to somebody is a practical aspect of love. To find out what their story is. Now, if you take somebody like Josh, his story is only that big, whereas mine is a little bit more. But have you ever asked somebody what their story is? Have you, could you actually tell me, now I've got to rule Marilyn and Carlos out, what are my two main hobbies? Any ideas? Pardon? Actually, no, it's not a main one. I do enjoy Scrabble and wordplay and things like that and crosswords and... No. Yep. <laughs> That's called oneophilia. One, he's got one. <laughs> Fred, you've got a gold star. The other hobby I have is philately, and you know what that is, collecting little bits of paper with serrated edges and things, you know, stamps. And you may think that's a weird hobby, but it's not. <laughs> if you take the value of one of the old stamps, it is around about a hundred times the value of the same weight of gold. Well, about a year and a half ago, I bought one stamp for $35. And the market at the moment, they're selling between 150 and 180 So keep your money in the bank and get 1% and lose it, or invest it in a hobby. Okay. You've got two minutes to find somebody and find out what their hobbies are, what they're interested in. Go on. Up you go. Find out. Somebody different this time. Okay, not going to let you talk too long or we're going to go too late. So can you sit down again, please? One word from me and every... Yeah. Okay. It can be useful to understand what people's interests and hobbies and things are. Like three Sundays ago, a lady walked into the church and buttonholed Josh and said, help, my car's not going. Josh wasn't sure what to do, so he tapped me on the shoulder 
and I knew who to approach, Ross, because he got his vehicle with all the stuff in it to go and fix it. It can be useful. Or take somebody like Neville over here, who loves flying model aeroplanes. But what's the point of it all? As you get to know people, you build community. And you may even find that somebody who is weird is actually quite interesting. And when you need help sometime, you know who to approach. Because as the psalm says, when family come together in unity, it is a blessing, both individually and for the church. And it is practical love in operation. So I would encourage you to get to know each other more. You might even get to know some you don't want to know, but that's all right. <laughs> but you will bless them. You will get blessings yourself. And the whole church will be blessed because you're in the process of loving one another and practically building community. So let's pray. Lord, thank you that we have all sorts and conditions here, Lord, with interesting pasts and some with some fantastic, interesting futures to go to. So Lord, we pray your blessing on each one here as we continue here in fellowship, in prayer, and grow together in community. In your name we pray. Amen.